Uh, if you guys will turn in, well, uh, your Bibles or on your devices to Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. It'll also be on the screen behind me. So, um, I'll wait for a minute for you to get there. Somebody's got the chapter. (laughs) I heard it on their phone. All right. Um, uh, Please stand in honor of God's word with me and uh, join me as I read aloud. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Be seated. The context here is uh, Paul is talking to the church in Philippi. And he's addressing an an unknown conflict uh, within the church and also threats of false teachers influencing uh, the church. And so he's he's imploring them, be of the same mind as Christ. Um, He's imploring them to have a submissive mind and a submissive heart. And today I want to talk to you uh, about humility. And uh, when I was in worship with some of you at the rooted night of prayer, uh, I heard the Lord say, nothing is more. And, you know, I wasn't sure if it was the Lord until right after that, Jim Skull read from this passage. He made himself nothing. And the Lord took me on a little journey with that. And I believe he has a word for us this morning related to humility, that he made himself nothing. I want to talk to you about humility as a key. Think of it as a key that unlocks the door to honor. It unlocks the door to unity. It unlocks the door to power and to personal purity by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, I want to talk about, in other words, what does nothing is more mean for the gospel tabernacle? And before I unpack humility, I want to talk some about what humility is not. Humility is not acquired through imitation. When I was 
uh, a young boy, I would imitate sports heroes. And so I also didn't acquire Michael Jordan's ability um, by imitating him. But, um, you know, I would, we had a makeshift little hoop in the basement my dad set up for me. It's still there, uh, one outside. And I would constantly be practicing and pretending and idolizing, um, imitating Michael Jordan. And so, but then as I got a little older, I started to imitate my peers, Um, uh, some of my peers, you know, I dressed like them, uh, I talked like them, I listened to the same music, that kind of thing. And then, uh, as I went into my early 20s and I got more serious about my faith, my reasons for imitating people became a little more noble, um, in that uh, I was looking at mentors who were following Jesus and further down the road than me in that, and wanting to be like them. And so I would try to imitate them. But how many of you know you can't get to where someone is through imitation? Because you've not traveled a day in their shoes. And you can't have what they've attained without receiving it. Because humility is a divine attribute of God. The humility of Christ must be cultivated. It must be received. It must be forged into us in our discipleship over time. And so, it's more like impartation, not imitation. And through that impartation of our obedience, our submission, and coming under the Jesus' lordship, do we, are we transformed. Uh, humility is not low self-worth, as some might think it. Um, so low self-worth is another form of self-absorption. You guys may have heard of the adage, I'm the piece of crap that the world revolves around. Um, That's the edited version. Um, But, yeah, so uh, Andrew Murray, the late missionary and uh, preacher, said that it's not thinking meanly of oneself, but humility is thinking nothing of oneself at all. It's being so rooted in the love of the Father that you know there's someone who minds you, so you need not mind yourself. And, uh, you know, Jesus didn't think lowly of himself. He knew he was God. (laughs) But he also knew that the Father loved him, as Michael just talked about, you know, from that passage. And um, so humility is received and uh, through the Father's love. And Paul exhorts the church here, having the same love, have the same love as Christ. Well, how do you do that but to receive the Father's love? And, ex- and, and we're going to talk about practical ways to do that toward the end, but, um, but having that same love. And there's a, a Bible commentator named Warren Wearsby who uh, says that a humble person knows themselves and accepts themselves according to the faith given them. To know yourself according to who God says you are. The faith through faith. To know that I'm totally depraved apart from Jesus, but I'm holy in Christ. To know that 
I'm totally broken apart from Jesus, but I'm whole in Christ. To know that I'm hopeless apart from the Lord, but that in Him, I'm hopeful. True humility includes faith that though I can't do anything apart from Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, um, a couple years ago, I had a dream that was clearly about revival here. And I woke up from that dream to 1 Peter 5, 6. And I think there's a slide for that. Yeah, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you at the proper time. And it was like God was saying, you want revival? Then humble yourselves. You want to steward a culture of revival as leaders, then humble yourselves. Um, We uh, are growing in our influence, and I've had a number of dreams about that too, about our church leaders' influence in the wider alliance regionally. Um, And the Lord just showing some things there. And uh, most recently, I had a dream uh, of being in a regional gathering with uh, some Christian Missionary Alliance folks, and uh, I was really tiny, and everybody else was normal size. And they were hugging me and smiling, and it was like everything was normal, you know? And uh, I woke up in a cold sweat, like, used to be six foot one. No. Um, So, uh, but I asked some folks for interpretation to help me out in that, and we all agreed that the dream's about humility, because... How many of you know where you want to have kingdom authority and where God wants to give it, it's to serve, not to lord over. It's to serve and to lift up those around us who we're leading. And so, um, Jesus did this the best, right? Um. And what we don't want to do is get it twisted, our roles with God, right? That we promote ourselves, and then He needs to humble us. Because the Bible says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And um, I was talking with our discipleship group that I lead uh, about a month ago before Christmas holiday, and saying, what if you had great ministry success? Would your identity be rooted in what you could do or your gift? Or would it be so rooted in the Father's love that whether you were successful or failed, you knew who you were and could walk in that? And that if you were successful, it wouldn't make you proud. Um, But that you would walk in humility. And, you know, I've heard it said this way, that when someone tries to promote themselves, they have to sustain it. You know, you have to keep up the air, right? And you have to protect it at all costs. You spend all your energy trying to put up this perception of who you are, this facade. But the person who's promoted by God, they're sustained by God. And they walk in His favor and in His grace. A successful job counselor said that it's not how someone handles responsibility, It's how someone handles privilege. That's the question. 
What will you do with what God's given you? Jesus, before he ever came to earth, brothers and sisters, was exalted to the highest place. And then he came down and demonstrated what it meant to go low. What it meant to go so low, considering from where he came. How about in his birth as a baby to a peasant girl in a poor town to an oppressed people? Or how about in his compassion to the crowds that pressed in on him for healing when he, in the context of him being with his disciples and seeking rest? Or how about what he taught when he said, whoever's greatest among you will be servant of all? Or that one's pretty plain, right? Or how about in his identity, because he knew where he came from and where he was going, he washed his disciples' feet. What about in his death? By the way, I had stomach issues all the way up until I got up here. So praise Jesus. This is gone. But in his death, um, in his death, the most humiliating, brutal death he could experience. Jesus' one goal was the glory of the Father and the resulting unity that we would then be restored to with God and one another. And Jesus emptied Himself to nothing um, only to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power in His earthly ministry. And it's like Paul's beckoning the church here in Philippi and the Holy Spirit's telling us that emptiness is for empowerment. Emptiness is for empowerment. And so, not only was Paul, not only was Jesus, rather, lifted up to the highest place after going the lowest, but he didn't go there alone, right? He led many captives in his train, the Bible says. Uh, his spiritual offspring, you and me, the church. And we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. What did Jesus do in serving but to lift us up to the highest place and honor us? Not because we deserve it, but because He loves us. And we have every right and privilege that He has because of what He's won for us at the cross. Uh, King Solomon knew about the secret of the secret to honor. Um, King Solomon, uh, it says of him that he was made king for Israel's sake, not for his own, but for Israel's sake. And he says in Proverbs eighteen, humility comes before honor, and the reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And so, here we see a picture of humility as a key to honor, right? That humility begets honor. Uh, I was in Eastern PA really experiencing a first fruit of um, some of those dreams and some prophetic words that, that some of you have given us about that growing influence. We were, Joel and I were ministering, as many of you know, to a number of pastors out there. And uh, while Joel was talking with them, uh, he kept honoring me to them. 
he kept recommending me as a resource and and um, telling them about, and it was just a reminder to me about how settled in God's love is, uh, Joel is, because the honor um, that he received from the Lord in humbling himself, he was able to release to me. Does that make sense? Because in the kingdom, the kingdom's transferable and transformational. And the humility of the kingdom, the humility of Christ, that divine attribute is given and can be given. And the honor through which it comes is given and can be given. And so, um, Joel exemplifies humble leadership, and I've watched that over the years. But if humility begets honor, then honor begets unity. I mean, after all, Paul said, outdo one another in honoring each other. And if we were to do that as a church, um, we would be fine on the unity front, right? Um, Outdo one another at honoring each other. Paul beckons the church here, have the same mind and spirit. Have the same mind and spirit. And elsewhere, he says to the church in Ephesus, attain the unity of the faith and the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. This unity in the Spirit comes through honor and honor through humility. And, um, you know, this kingdom unity includes a diversity that God brings when I look around, our church is becoming increasingly diverse, and, um, and I love that. And um, the unity that the Lord is establishing happens through intentionality and relationships that cut through cultural differences with cultural humility that say, I'm willing to take the risk to make missteps, offenses, um, and in order to build meaningful relationships with people who are different than me, rather than keeping people at a distance for fear of making a mistake. And so, that's a whole other sermon series, Unity and Diversity, but um, it's important and worth noting because it requires cultural humility um, to get to unity. It requires humility in general to get to unity. Uh, We have a sister church in Atlanta who says we're a multicultural church, uh, not by way of a social experiment, but as a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And so, how do we cultivate humility in our lives if it's so important um, to lead to all these other things? Well, the first one that I want to hold out to us this morning, brothers and sisters, is consecration. Um, that it's fasting, it's praying. And uh, when we do that, you know, Jesus didn't say if you fast, he said when. And he said um, between the era between his ascension and his second coming, that it was then when he was gone that people would fast. And um, fasting, I mentioned before, leads to personal transformation. It leads to breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough. He said, consecrate yourselves to the Lord with a fast, and I'll do wonders among you, he said to Joshua. Um, Jesus said, this kind of demon only comes out by fasting and prayer, demonstrating that the need for fasting in terms of ministry and power and other people's freedom. 
And so it goes a long way in humbling ourselves and cultivating humility in our lives. You know, shortly after the 21-day fast two years ago, I um, was just crying in God's presence at His tenderness, at His nearness, um, in a deeper way than I ever had before. And I had a dream during that two-month or so period of time that uh, a young man came up to me and he said, I've been kissed by glory. And he said, and now every time I turn in, (laughs) and uh, the Lord was giving me language for what I was experiencing. But I point out, I, I give that example to say this, that I believe the fasting removed some obstacles in me to experience Him in deeper ways that admittedly, I don't even know what was there. But there was breakthrough into a deeper place that came through fasting. Here, since we had that fast, we have seen um, major breakthrough in power ministry like we haven't had here since I've been here, and um, which is 17 years And uh, so I just attribute a lot to fasting for breakthrough. And we talk about power ministry, freedom from demonic oppression, inner healing of wounds, um, and um, it leads to more freedom as a church to get on mission with Jesus in fullness and wholeness. Amen? Um, The second one I think of is seeking our healing whether it's in the prayer closet and we're asking God, reveal in me ways that are harmful. Reveal in me things that are broken. Reveal in me things from which I need set free. And, uh, and waiting and listening to the Lord. Seeking that through community, hearing God. Um, and then also, uh, you know, whether it's unconfessed sin, unforgiveness, or ungodly beliefs, mining that before the Lord and letting Him mine it, rather. And... Uh, and then responding. Another way is seeking healing, uh, as so many of us do, right? When we contend together at the end of these services and in other places uh, where we ask you to pray, us to pray for one another, right? Where we lay hands on each other. It's an act of humility. We're cultivating humility by saying, you know what? I'm going to humble myself and go up for prayer because I need Jesus, right? And so the last thing I think of is worship along the same lines, fasting, seeking our healing, and then also worship. Worship is fundamentally, right, coming under God and saying, I lift you up and give you the glory, do your name, because you are worthy. And as you do that, and you enter your rightful place, your humble place, God said, humble yourselves. As you do that, He will lift you up. He will minister to you. You don't do it to get something from Him, but but when you do it, you cultivate the soil of your heart. You let Him cultivate that and till that up and make you more tender to the Lord, more humble. And that's why we have spaces for that here in increasing measure. Spaces to worship, to come together. Uh, Paul said, never give up getting together. Um, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Well, if, um, Craig, can you come up and play? If you can come up. As I close, brothers and sisters, um, you know, Jesus, I mentioned, was emptied 
only to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And it says that He healed all who came to Him and every kind of disease. And then Jesus had the audacity to say, you will do greater works than me because I'm going to the right hand of the Father. <laughs> and so we're still contending for that, right? Um, but I believe the Lord wants to give you, um, as we close our time together in this way today, a holy boldness. As we are emptying ourselves um, during this fast, and if, and if some of you are not fasting from anything, that's okay. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There are, know that there are people fasting for you um, on your behalf, and you will get the breakthrough as one family um, that we get and are contending for. Um, and so this is for you too. But I do believe the fast itself is making room for um, us to be filled with His power for holy boldness, for the mission of Jesus. And so... I just want to end my time with you by uh, impartation, by imparting to you holy boldness. And, um, you know, it says of Jesus in Isaiah's prophecy that through the anguish of his soul, through the anguish of his soul, he would have offspring, prolonged days, and the kingdom would prosper in his hands. That's our inheritance. Eternal life. Spiritual offspring. Brooke is Marissa's spiritual mother. So like that. And then the kingdom prospering on our hands. The Father said, Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so we go equipped with Jesus with us even till the end of the age. And so I just impart to you in the name of Jesus, holy boldness and strength and courage. I declare over you that you are a remnant, God's gracious choice, to whom I loose the shalom of Christ, and from whom will come much fruit, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid, and humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And in due time, He will lift you up.